The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings and their awesome new sportsbook app. Love, love, love DraftKings. Love those of you, by the way, that step it up every week or any week to try to win a little something, something, or just support the show via the Spread the Word winner, social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, or the sponsor confirmation email winner. I will have two new winners on Friday. Very much looking forward to announcing those winners. Uh, By the way, today's interview is with Mike Malarkey, my head coach with the Buffalo Bills in 2004, 2005, till he cut me, Uh, and yet I had him on the show anyway. Just a little programming note here. There's like three or four interviews I've done over the last couple months because we were supposed to go on a skiing trip to Vail with my buddies. I was supposed to go on a skiing trip to Utah with my family. So you try to get some interviews that are evergreens you can use whenever. Well, I didn't end up going anywhere, so I haven't used any of them. So Mike Malarkey, I actually talked to a few months ago before even the coronavirus, if you can believe that. So, uh, But the question was about him deciding to retire at age 58 for a couple of different reasons. No Andrew this week. Andrew gets the week off. But I really thought it would be interesting to kind of go into the mindset of a guy that walks away at age 58 and a former coach of mine. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. You know, I think we've had former position coaches of mine on the show before, but this is the first time we'll ever have one of my former head coaches in the NFL on the show, and he's longtime NFL coach who recently retired Mike Malarkey, coach, uh, coached me in Buffalo in 2004, a season I talk about a lot. And then 2005, till he cut me, he's really mean, he's a bad person, but I'm going to have him on the show anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Coach, how are you? Good. Cut sounds so much worse than wave. I don't, I, I don't know. It's uh, that's a, Unfortunately, that's part of the, the business, but I'm glad you've uh, 
overcome that and, and gotten over it, and, and uh, we're, we're very good friends now. Yeah, so, Coach, I wanted to start with uh, the news came out, I guess, uh, a few weeks ago. We are recording this show in early March, by the way. Not sure. Probably going to use it when I'm on a vacation sometime in the coming weeks. But um, it came out recently that you retired. So I guess let's just start there, Coach, the, with your decision to retire from coaching. Why? Well, um, I've coached 25 years, 24 of them in the NFL, and uh, that's a lot of time away from my family, my wife, uh, my two sons and their families. And I, uh, I'm still relatively young. I'm 58. I'd like to say I feel pretty good for, you know, playing nine years. Um, so, I, you know, I'm still young enough to be able to do some of the things I want to do with my family. And I, we're finally together. We're, we're, we live in the Jacksonville area, Jacksonville, Florida area. It's the first time we've all been together. And, uh, you know, I was in Atlanta last year coaching the tight ends. And, you know, I struggled knowing they're all down here again. Um, and I, I'm not. And I thought, you know, it's time. I, I have a lot of making up, especially with my wife, who is – she's got to love me to, to stick with me for 35 years, especially in this business. Um, it, it's, it was time. And um, – I I'm looking forward to the next chapter with, with them. So you mentioned it. You're only 58. I mean, there are guys now coaching into their 70s. So I guess the, the first question is, are you sure you're done done or are you retired? You're going to do the family thing. And, and to be fair, you don't know how you'll feel in two years or four years or whatever. No, I'm done done. I, I uh, I had a tremendous job last year with Coach Quinn in, with the Falcons. Uh, I loved my job, but that that was kind of that was. I knew then that uh, you know I, I've had enough. It, it was time. Um, very proud. Been in the league thirty three years. Uh, I have a lot of time to catch up on, and uh, I don't think I can go back because of all the places I want to travel to. I don't know if there'll be time to go back. So. Um, no, I'm very happy with my decision. You know, I was at a T-ball game for my grandson last night. Uh, both sons, both wives, great-grandma were there. You know, I just doing what normal, everyday people do on a on a Thursday night. It, it felt good, and that's that hasn't been the case for me in in over 20 years, 25 years. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, from August 1st through the Super Bowl, I'm away from my family every weekend, calling games, college and NFL. And right. so the month of February, being home on a weekend, it's really nice. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've been going skiing. It we've is. been hanging out. It's been, it's been really nice. Um, is there something that was the trigger for it to be now at age 58 after the year with the Falcons? It sounds like you had an enjoyable year. I did. I, um, I, I, you know, I like – I got into coaching to, to get in the classroom and coach those guys. You know, I was fortunate to be a coordinator and a head coach, but I really enjoyed getting back in the room and coaching the tight ends. And I love the staff I was working with. Um, I thought uh, Dan Quinn did a tremendous job last year in the situation we were in and the pressure on him. And, uh, you know, even the last game we, we went into overtime against Tampa, I had 30 family members down there knowing it was my last game. And we, we went on a turnover pick six. Uh, in overtime, I mean, what a they made it hard, especially that locker room. Um, but there's, I just felt, especially with all my family here together, um, 
and me up there. And again, I know I'm working up there and I'm, I'm, I'm not home much. It's still, it's still just, I, it, it was time. It definitely was time for me. I've had, I've had enough. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Very coach, proud of the career. Yeah, Noah, and you should be. It's interesting because, um, you know, being a three-time head coach and, and we'll get into that, um, you know, you made a lot of money. So you're you're in a good position there. So it's not like, you know, especially as a as a position coach, it's not really like you were coaching anymore for the compensation. You know, that's that really I'm guessing wasn't a huge factor for you at this point. No, it wasn't. Um I'll be honest with you. The reason I got into coaching is I did not win a Super Bowl as a player and I I figured out how how else can I get a ring is get back in the business. I had no idea what salaries were for coaches i just knew that it gave me an opportunity to compete for a, a super bowl ring and uh you know unfortunately i did not get to do that um you know i went to three championship games and lost and uh, um that was really why i just thought i really felt like uh going back with atlanta i had a chance with matt and and brian and in that group and i just thought i had a chance to win the super bowl and uh, uh you know I, I even thought about staying on for for as long as Matt Ryan was the coach or the quarterback there, I thought, you know, this might be a good good run with him and see if I can win one. But even that factor uh, at the end was was not enough for me to, to stay out. Sounds stay like you really hold Matt Ryan in high regard. Oh, I do. You know, I was fortunate to have Matt his first four years in the league. I was a coordinator there. And, um, you know, we – they they had never had back to back winning seasons in forty four years there, and we you know we won 44, 44 games in four years. Uh, with uh, you know we we did a lot of great things together, and you know I helped him develop. He he helped me, um, but we, Matt and I have a very very close relationship, and it was nice to be back with him for a year. So one of the things I'm curious about, Coach, you were a head coach three different times, which is really rare. Doesn't happen very often, but even more rare, you were a coach of the Buffalo Bills for two years, the Jacksonville Jaguars for one year, and the Titans for two years. So head coach three times for a total of five years, that's got to be a record. I mean, that's got to be a record. <laughs> and the, what makes it even stranger is you had – a lot of success when you were in Buffalo, especially that 2004 season before the change was made and decision was made within the organization to go to a young quarterback. Uh, I don't really remember the Jacksonville year that much other than it being a, a transition year sort of for the franchise. And then in Tennessee, your last year, I remember you won a playoff game with Mariota in Kansas City. So on some level as a head coach, you kind of went out on top, but in each situation, uh, it's just it's it's unique that you were let go in the manner that you were. Do you look back on it and appreciate that you got three opportunities, or feel like man, I I didn't really get a full opportunity or a real chance in any one of those three places? Well, the NFL is really uh, it's a unique uh, profession, and um, Again, three three chances. I, I really didn't think I'd have an opportunity in Tennessee after Jacksonville. But if you remember, I, I resigned in Buffalo after 2005. I just felt like the direction 
uh, management and myself were going in a different direction. And uh, I did not feel like we we're in a position to be built to win uh, for the long term. And so I, I resigned there, um, you know, not knowing if I'd ever even get a job in the NFL again, because I, I didn't even know if anybody had ever resigned from a head coaching job. But um, and I was blessed to get hired by Jacksonville. We did not have a, uh, a good year. We were two and 14. Um, basically, Shot Khan had bought the team the three days before they interviewed me for the job. And uh, they changed GMs and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of things went down there that uh, just, again, just the timing of it wasn't perfect for me. And obviously not winning that one year did not help. And then, uh, you know, Tennessee, very unfortunate, you know, uh, the way things go, you win a you turn a, we were the worst team in the NFL in 2015. We had the first pick in 2016, and we had back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in eight years. And then we went to the playoffs, won a playoff game for the first time in 14 years. And, uh, you know, I really think our staff there, we did the hard part of building that thing because franchise went, was in disarray. And to turn an NFL franchise completely around into a competitive team that believed they could win every week was a – serious credit to the staff that I had and um, I, I'm very proud of what they're doing now but I think we did the hard part to get them to where they are right now and um, but that's just the NFL if you, if you can't put up with some of the things that go on in it right or wrong you know you're probably in the wrong business and that was another one correct me if I'm wrong coach where the GM uh, and even maybe ownership that had hired you was no longer the GM, um, you know, a couple of years later? Well, I got hired basically before the GM. Um, I'm not even sure he's aware of that, but I, I was hired before he was even hired. Um, um, but that, it, was, it was John Robinson. And, um, you know, ownership, Amy got Amy Adams Strunk got a little more involved uh, with the everyday operations and, you know, with the length of my contract, I only had a three-year contract, so that that didn't show a lot of support from the very beginning. So I, I knew, I just thought, you know, we had to do what we did um, to get to the level we were. You know, we came up short, obviously, in the division uh, game against New England, and um, you know, I, I don't I really never had a conversation. There was never any year-end meeting. No, we should do this or we should do that. It was absolutely nothing. It was just uh, we're going to let you go. So, um, anyway, so I'm over that. <laughs> uh, I'm happy in life right now. I enjoyed my job last year with the Falcons and, and uh, looking forward to lots more to do with this family here. And, you know, Coach, um, on some level, not only you helping turn around where the franchise was, but Arthur Smith was on your staff, and he's now the offensive coordinator there. And I thought – in the playoffs in particular, but really ever since Tannehill took over, I thought he did a terrific job. I mean, in the playoffs, he was dealing, man. Yeah, Arthur, Arthur gets it. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was, when I was coaching the tight ends there, you know, I don't know if you remember, but 15, 2015, I became the interim head coach midway through the season uh, when they let Ken Wisenhunt go. Um, and Arthur, I went to the head coaching interim, and Arthur, I just moved him to the tight ends, and then I kept Arthur because I thought he was one of the better football coaches on our staff and, and people. And uh, he did a tremendous job with our tight ends my two years as the as the head coach. And you know, I recommended him to to Mike Rabel. Um, I said, don't don't 
don't go crazy looking outside when you may have the guy you want inside sitting right in your in your own building and uh i knew arthur would would have success i didn't know it'd be so quick but he's good he's got the the formula that i think it takes to win in the nfl and he just continued to do what we were doing you know my last year coach was 2007 with the redskins and that was arthur smith's first year as a coach in the NFL. So he was quality control or whatever it is, as far down the totem pole as you can be. Right. And uh, I don't know why, but we kind of struck up a friendship. I think probably because he was like quality control defense. So if I was the center doing scout stuff or whatever, whatever the case was, we would just chat and um, really, really impressive. And then it was, I don't know, five months after I met him or something, Somebody said, do you know who that is? And I said, no. <laughs> and they said, that's, uh, that's Fred Smith's son, the founder and CEO of FedEx. And I've thought about this a lot. but And I actually wrote a column about it, Coach, for The Athletic. He, I am, he is unbelievably impressive in the sense that you would never, ever know that in any way. And I think that's not only a, a great testament to him, but to his parents as well. Because oh, no it, it, can, it can't, it can't, it cannot be easy to keep a kid as grounded as Arthur is when you know you you have that upbringing. No doubt. Um, I, I don't know if it was five months for me, but it was it was a while till I finally figured it out. I couldn't, you know. The rumors of the Titans being for sale, and I'd hear people go, "Hey Arthur, is your dad going to buy the team?" I mean, I still didn't put two and two together for it had to be six months till I finally asked him, "What's going on with your dad?" And you, you know, he just—that is a credit to Fred and himself too, because uh, all the kids are very successful in all different occupations, and that's really that says a lot about that family. But really proud of Arthur. Um, I stayed in touch with Arthur the whole year, and uh, just I'm really proud of him. Proud of you too. I really am for what you've accomplished and what you did for me. And, you know, you know how I am. I like tough guys and um, you're one of the tougher guys I was around. And I appreciated what you did. Well, thanks coach. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I did want to ask you as well, age 58, you played nine years in the NFL. Uh, how do you feel orthopedically first? Uh well, there's good, bad, and ugly days. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, I feel pretty good. I mean, I need to do things. Uh, you know, I need to keep training like I am right now, or my body will begin to shut down. Knees. Um, I got bad feet, bad shoulders. But you know, I, I I try to work them a few days a week just to kind of you know I rehab them. Basically, is the best word for it. And as long as I do that, I feel well enough to to function. But I like walking. I'm a professional beach walker um, with my wife, and that has helped me maintain uh, my health immensely. So I do get a good beach walk in every morning. You know, it's interesting, Coach, because I remember when we were in Buffalo, Crumry would work out all the time, and he used to say that if he didn't work out, his body would kind of just lock up and shut down on him. And it sounds like on some level – for you, if you don't work out, then that's when you really start to have some issues. Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. It's 
especially my shoulders. If I do not re and again, I understand this. this is for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I can't have a letdown. My wife knows that, you know, don't plan things at least three days a week in the morning. Cause I got to go, I got to go do this just for my health and really her sanity <laughs> when it comes down. Cause if I don't work out, I'm not, I'm not real nice to be around. <laughs> real I, moody. I, yeah. You know what? I'm the same way. Um, I just feel like I'm, I feel like a piece of crap, you know, like I feel like that's why I work out first thing in the morning because it's like, first of all, it gets me going, my body, the endorphins, like that, that's right. my coffee. But then also the whole rest of the day, it's like, well, I already got that in. And then it's like whether or not I just get a second workout in that day or not, which is, you know, it's like a freebie. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, it's amazing. And I'm trying to convince my sons that, um, you know, I have one son that works for the Lions and he's a scout, he's on the road a lot and you don't eat real well. And I'm like, if you can just get up and find time, even if you got to get up earlier than you really normally do, what a, what an advantage it gives you throughout the day um, and the energy you have. So uh, I'll be doing that forever till, uh, till it's over. What about coach um, cognitively? H- have you had any issues? Have you noticed anything? Um, no, I'm, I, I'm attributing it to just age. Um, yeah, I don't think it, it does worry you when you forget a name or you forget, a, you know, you, you see the face and you can't remember the name. Uh, I'm not, I'm not worried about it right now, but I do, you know, I, when I was with the Vikings for six years, I set the wedge, the middle wedge on kickoff return. And I'm pretty sure I had a few concussions doing that um, in my, in my days when, when you, when you took out the wedge, you usually took out the middle guy first like a, like bowling pins. Um, so that does, that, that worries me down the road, but not, not right now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. It's funny that you say that coach, because, uh, two quick stories. I don't know if I've told before, but I was on the wedge for you in 2004 on the uh, kickoff return team with Bobby April and Terrence McGee had a bunch of touchdowns. He went to the pro bowl and he got us all watches, but I don't wear a watch, so I went back to the store and traded it in for a watch for my wife, who was my fiance at the time, and that was her Christmas gift. <laughs> so being on the wedge. But I remember you saying to me one time, Coach Tuck, this takes off years of your life. And I said, yeah, yeah. And you said, no, no, no. I don't mean years of your career. I mean your life. <laughs> yeah. And I did not believe it. I absolutely believe it. It, it, uh, you know, and when they changed the rule to two man wedges, now there's none, obviously. But when they changed it to two, I'm like, I still can't figure that out. There, you could only wipe out two guys anyhow when they blew up the wedge. And I, I was always one of the two. <laughs> so no, it, it's uh, that's a that's a job people don't really realize what took place in the especially uh, the years I played. That that wedge was dangerous. Uh, and the other story talking about concussions. Is in 2004 that year, we were playing the Patriots at home. I think it was week four. And uh, Trey Teague got hurt. He was our starting center. Something happened to his knee. I can't remember. I think he had like a cracked uh, kneecap or something because he was out. I ended up starting the next four games at center. And um, so I went in at center and Bledsoe threw a pick. And I tried to make the tackle. And Roosevelt Colvin blindsided me. It was the worst shot I think I ever took in the NFL. And the first thing that hit the ground 
was the back of my head. And I remember coming off, like getting up, and for a good three or four minutes, it was like I was in a dream. I was kind of in a daze, kind of out of it. I remember Dylan McFarland was our inactive offensive lineman. He was like, Tuck, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, no, seriously, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And I just sat there. Because now, look, cause I, got, I never got diagnosed with a concussion. But looking back on it, and I've talked to a lot of experts now, like the fact that I vividly remember how different I felt after that hit and how different I was for three or four minutes, that was a concussion. But what's crazy is oh, I was sure. the only other center and Trey was out. And I didn't, you know, back then in 2004, I didn't even think, A, that it was a concussion or B, to say anything to anybody. Because I remember one time in college, a wide receiver got hit over the middle and he was unconscious at the 50-yard line. And one time in 03, Bledsoe got hit against the Giants and he was unconscious. So I guess in my mind, Coach, back then, I thought it wasn't really a concussion unless you got knocked out, I think. That's kind of how they were treated. I mean, if you weren't unconscious or if you, like you were, um, you were going to play if you could play. Um, that's just the way it was, but, and today, you know, that you've definitely, you'd be, you'd be, you may be done for weeks based on what you just said. What, um, last question, coach, um, related to the cognitive stuff without saying names, um, are there guys that you played with teammates, guys in your era that you've noticed are really having issues? Uh, yes. Yes, I would say that without naming names. Um, right. I do. I do know of some, um, and some, some, and again, the different stages, some very, not very good at all, um, in very declining health. So yes, I do know some. Okay. So that, you know, cause I always, cause I, you know, part of me always thinks, all right, well, I understand that there are issues with it, but I know all of these guys that played like on turf every week in the eighties, like you, you know, that are in yeah. their late fifties, sixties or seventies. And I don't notice any issues. So sometimes I wonder how bad is it really? But then I've talked to Chris Nowinski and others, and they have said that, you know, that's obviously self-selecting, right? Like I'm just talking with the people that are at the Super Bowl or are functioning at a high level because they're coaches right. or whatever. I'm not I'm not interacting with the guys that are really having issues and choosing not to be social. Right. No, I, I and it's just a few that I know, but I, I do know of some guys. I don't know how epidemic it is, but it's it's still scary to to, to have close friends like I have that are uh in that position. Coach, I really appreciate the time, and I, I really appreciate uh, everything, the opportunity, uh, the 2004 season. You know, that was my best year as a player. I made the most money. I started 13 games. We were 9-4 and four in those games, and it's still to this day, and I'm sure you're the same way, bugs me that we lost to the Steelers in that last game. Uh, especially the fact that we were beating their starters and then it was like their backups that came in and, you know, we missed a kick and had a pick and all that stuff. Uh, that game, 
That's a top fiver for me, Coach, in terms of toughest losses in my career. And yeah, I'm talking high school, college, and well, NFL. You have, to, you have to remember their backups were Willie Parker, James Harrison, uh, you know, guys that are were perennial pro bowlers uh, eventually. But that season was one of my probably top five seasons of uh, really what we accomplished after – starting 0-4, you really don't want to be a rookie head coach in the NFL and start 0-4 in Buffalo. That's not a good thing. Um, but for what we did to turn that thing around and win nine of the next 11 and then have a chance to go to the playoffs was remarkable. Uh, a lot of that credit goes to you guys because I don't know if you remember in that team meeting I came in, I said, look, I don't have an 0-4 folder in my file. Uh, all I know is what I know. I know it'll help us win, and you guys trusted me. Um, we went on to win you know, nine, nine of 11, six straight. And um, a lot of that credit goes to you guys that believe in, 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 uh, in it. And we had a chance. We really had a chance to go uh, make things happen, if we'd have, especially if we'd have beat Pittsburgh that last game. Oh, man. That was a, uh, that was a special year. We kind of – because you, you hear about it all the time the last few years with the Bills um, making the playoffs and ending the drought. It's funny. One of those football outsiders, you know, one of the analytic sites – they once did a study, if you look at all of the metrics, and uh, I don't know if it's over the last 20 years, Coach, or 30 or what, of the best teams to never make the playoffs, we are number one, which I thought was interesting oh because, God. you know, the Patriots were 11-5 and five that one year, whatever. But if you look at where we were statistically, defensively, special teams, offense, the whole thing, we are legitimately, statistically, the best team ever to not make the playoffs, which doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that, and now it's going to make me feel better. <laughs> now, what did I do wrong? You know oh, what, gosh. Coach? My 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 running joke always is that our defense was unbelievable with Sam Adams and Pat Williams and London Fletcher and um, Nate Clements Tequio. and Takio Spikes. Our special teams were the best in the league. Our receivers were Lee Evans and Eric Moulds. Our running backs were McGahee and Travis Henry. Bledsoe had a good year at quarterback. So my running joke, Coach, is I must have really sucked. I must have really been bad <laughs> that we didn't make the playoffs with all those guys. Uh, always starts with the offensive line. You know that. You guys always get the... <laughs> no, you know what? Honestly, it was just we lost a couple of close games at the start in those first four games. We just got off to a slow start yeah. and lost a couple that we shouldn't have. We would have been like we should have been like an 11-5 team and made the playoffs easily. That 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 season was a perfect example to to you know teams and even offenses to to when I would address them that not only does a play change a game a play changes a season because if you change one play in one of those first four games, we win the game and we would, we'd be, we wouldn't have had to beat Pittsburgh to go to the playoffs. So play plays do make a difference, not just for series or games. They make, they change seasons. They really do. So, uh, but I enjoy it. You call me anytime you want to talk. I'll, I'll I got, I got a lot of time on my hands now, but it was Coach, great catching that- up with you. Yeah, thanks so much for the time, and thanks so much for everything. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Tuck. Good luck with everything. Well, I love the choice of Coach Malarkey to spend more time uh, with his family. He's the type of guy that would love a story from myfrontpagestory.com for Father's Day. 
because he spent a lot of time away from his family. You get him that cover story, and you tell him, hey, we know what you did. We know about all the time coaching, but you were still a great dad. We enjoyed the time we had with you. We love that you're retired and spending time with the grandkids. That would be awesome. Myfrontpagestory.com. Ducks takes. We'll start, Brian, with some running back news. Two items. Not a lot of news today, uh, but there is some running back news. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook reportedly will hold out unless he gets a reasonable contract extension. Kind of knew this was coming after what happened with Christian McCaffrey and him getting that big contract. We'll see if this has any impact on guys like Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, among others. But I knew this would happen. The thing is, is Dalvin Cook doesn't have the same leverage that Christian McCaffrey had, but he does have some leverage, uh, including the, the Vikings knowing how valuable he is. And there are new rules that make it more cost prohibitive and difficult to hold out. But those things only ever really matter if you're not willing to take it all the way. In other words, if he's really willing to go all the way and actually miss games, then all that other stuff doesn't matter because he's not playing until he gets that new deal. I tend to doubt he's really willing to do that and that he'll either end up getting a deal before camp starts or reporting to camp. In other running back news, Todd Gurley finally both took and passed his physical with the Atlanta Falcons. So that is official. Some of these other deals have fallen through, but that's not the case with Todd Gurley with the Falcons. I think everybody's curious to see how well he performs this year, how much he has left. And obviously, you know, kind of interesting to have Dalvin Cook and Todd Gurley in the same conversation because Todd Gurley on some level for the Vikings is a cautionary tale about giving a running back too much money. The other news item is really just the NFL sending a memo to teams about the protocols they want to have in place when players return to the facility. And there's a lot of them, and they're significant. It's extensive. You know, they want everyone to be six feet away from each other in the locker room. I don't even know how you do that. I mean, they don't really have that kind of space to be able to do that. So there's a lot of interesting things on that list. I'm not going to read through all of them, but that was certainly one of the ones that jumped out to me. And then obviously there's testing and you try to meet virtually when you can and meet outside. And I mean, there, there, it, it's, it's going to be a whole different ball game. Uh, although J.C. Treader, the president of the NFLPA, the Brown Center came out and said, We've agreed to nothing. Don't worry about any memos that go out. Nothing's confirmed. Nothing's agreed to. We will be negotiating to get the safest possible return for all of you, which is exactly what they should be doing, but also sounds a little bit ominous. Like they're looking, like, I, I mean, it looked like the protocols were pretty safe to me. I guess I, I'd just be curious to know what else the NFLPA would ask for or wants in that regard. That'll do it for a beastly edition of the Ross Tucker football podcast. That malarkey interview, I didn't even remember, was like 30 minutes long. So a little bit longer than the show normally is, but I don't think you guys minded. Good to get a 
guy like Mike Malarkey on. What a crazy career he had. He really did. By the way, make sure you listen to the Even Money podcast today uh, with Will Brinson because he's awesome. We get into betting golf, but I'm also going to tell some stories on that show about Michael Jordan, Joe Klecko, how when I met both those guys. You, you absolutely need to check out today's Even Money podcast. It really isn't even that much about betting. I think you will really, really enjoy it. Shout outs, as always, to my dudes at Pizza Boy Brewing, NFLCliches.com, and DynastyFreaks.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.